You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Everything that went on but didn't actually happen yesterday <laughs> as it pertains to the Vancouver Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins. There is so much smoke around this. And you can't just blame the collective media. You people out there, you people that say this is just a fabricated media creation, that it's all smoke, no fire, all substance, or sorry, no substance, all style. It's not. There's too many people reporting too many things that leads you to suggest that there's something happening here. We're just not smart enough to figure it out. But we can explain it to you as best we can. So, yesterday... Uh, there's multiple people on Twitter, Shana Goldman of The Athletic, Cam Robinson from Elite Prospects, putting things out there that sources across the league are suggesting something is up between the Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins, the two principal parties involved. Now, what do we know about these two parties? Well, we know that the Vancouver Canucks are in a bad way, standings-wise, have already traded their captain, Bo Horvat, uh, their emotional leader, Luke Shen. They're bringing trade, marrying trades to bring young guys in. They've talked about major surgery. Pittsburgh, conversely, sure looks as though they are lining things up to bring in somebody of significance. They waived Kasperi Kapanen, who got plucked by the Blues. Mark Friedman, no relation to Elliot. And Brock McGinn, his older brother used to play hockey. Three forwards, all guys that were playing regularly, placed on waivers. And if everything fell correctly, a few people, including Cap Friendly, pointed out that the Penguins would have about $5.25 million in available cap space. Gee, that's interesting. <laughs> now, here's the interesting thing. Sat put out, a, and I'm just going to call all these reports just to make it easier. They're all on Twitter. Sat threw out there that he doesn't believe, based on what he's hearing, that it's JT Miller. Mm-hmm. But then Rob Rossi, from the Pittsburgh side of things, of the athletic put out there that according to his sources, they don't believe that it's Brock Besser. And I'm like, Oh, it can't not be either of them. Right. That's your right. nah, It's gotta be it. I don't, I don't think so, I think but so. I, you know what? I'm not wi- really, I'm not willing to rule out anything at this point. All we know is that there are some very interesting conversations happening as we get closer to Friday's deadline. And those two particular parties, the Canucks and the Penguins have all the incentive in the world to get together and try and make some sort of deal because both have things that they want and need. Mm-hmm. And this all really started or went into overdrive with the report in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette yesterday. And this is the first paragraph of this report. The Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks recently engaged in trade discussion centered on J.T. Miller. Centered on J.T. Miller. The standout Canucks forward who tallied 99 points last season Two league sources told the Post-Gazette. Two! Two! And we mentioned that on the show yesterday. He even even, got it from one source, and then he did that journalism thing where he checked with someone else. Not even fake news. that source confirmed it. Yeah, that's not fake news, folks. That's how journalism works. Or so Um, I've been told. So we'll we'll see what happens with with all this. Uh, It's worth noting Rob Rossi as well as one of the most, if not the most, connected Penguins reporter. Yeah. Like, so the fact that he's reporting on it as well, like, obviously there's something there. It's not cool. just a bunch of speculation. Uh, all these guys are, are, are they, they, they chat regularly with 
the the leaders on the team, yeah. the executives, they chat with people like they they just see each other every day. They, they this is Rob Rossi does, is a very good uh, reporter uh, on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, again, it's not clear if it's Miller or, or Besser that's more likely headed to Pittsburgh. It could be neither of them ends up going there. It could be that they can't make something work. It could be that Pittsburgh goes and gets Jacob Chikrin instead. Well, because also, apparently, well, because I just want to jump in, though, is it could also be Connor Garland. That's another viable option in this whole thing. Sure. Um, apparently, Mike Sullivan, uh, the head coach of the Penguins, has been pushing for Chikrin. Um there is a lot of talk out there that the Canucks want to do something significant at this trade deadline. It is an opportunity. It is They'll have more opportunities in the offseason to reshape the team, but this is one of the opportunities. This is one of the pressure points where you can make a good deal. You can also make a bad deal, but you can also make a good deal by, in the Canucks' case, um, helping out – or being a good partner for a team that is in a position where they need to win now. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are in that position where they need to win now. And we talked about in the in uh, earlier in the show, like, I don't think JT Miller on his contract makes a whole lot of sense for the Vancouver Canucks. I get that he's a good player, but I don't think his contract is, is going to age very well. And by the time the Canucks are hopefully in their Stanley Cup window, and hopefully that's in three or four years, fingers crossed. I don't know if that contract is going to look very good on the Canucks. I think in Pittsburgh, it would make a ton of sense for JT Miller to be on the Pittsburgh Penguins because right now they are in their window and they will be for the next two or three years. And after that, I think the Penguins are going to have to really rebuild that organization. Mm -hmm. But I do think amidst all of this, we need to discuss the ramifications of Miller's name being out there. And it is very much out there, and it's not just speculation. I just read the actual report from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette where the Penguins and the Canucks had trade discussions centered on J.T. Miller. And there was no discussion of the Penguins calling the Canucks and saying, what about J.T. Miller? And the Canucks saying, absolutely not. Okay, so in light of this, a question for you, Jason. How do you think the relationship between J.T. Miller and the Canucks will be impacted or maybe already has been impacted. <laughs> Why did you say it like that? Because <laughs> his name's out there. He signed, he signed a gigantic extension less than, a, less than 12 months ago. Mm-hmm. That extension also included a very emotional press conference in which he was eternally grateful to this organization for giving him the kind of money and security that he was given. Yeah. And the organization returned serve volley by saying we expect JT to be a member of this team for years to come. That was in the press release. I'm not making that up. This isn't fake news. The Canucks said it themselves. Go check it out. You can find the press release. Yeah. This was supposed to be a foundational long-term pour on the concrete in the basement move where you knew that he was going to be a member of this team for a long time to come. So it's fine. It's absolutely fine if you decide that uh, you want to flip them. It's a business. I get it. Hey, JT Miller signed an extension in Tampa Bay and they traded him less than a year removed from it as well. The big difference is it reeks of maybe not necessarily having a plan. Yeah. Or maybe saying that big, important foundational decision we made was wrong. 
Uh, and that's a, that's a very interesting dynamic if that's the case. And listen, I, I'm all for admitting mistakes and trying to correct those mistakes. The worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is to double down on that mistake or be stubborn about the mistake. If indeed that's the way the Canucks feel about Miller now, that it was a mistake, right? If, if, if. That's a pretty big if. But I'm also for discussing why mistakes are made in the first place so as to avoid them in the future. Right, because we don't make any on this show. I don't even know what it's like to make a mistake. <laughs> I don't know it, if that's a big if, though. I mean, the fact that they're discussing mi- moving Miller, I think they realized it was a mistake. I don't yeah, think it screwed up. I don't think it's like, eh, maybe we made it. I think they're like, no, this was a bad well, call. It could, it could also be, and I'm just playing devil's advocate. I mostly agree with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate here where they just feel they're in a position where they have to listen on pretty much anything. Sure. Because sure. Patrick Alvin with you know, float that line out these guys like we're twenty seventh in the league or twenty sixth in the league, so we can't really afford to not listen on anything. And that is something that they could sell JT Miller if there's an issue with the relationship. Like, listen, JT, uh, I don't know if you were here, right, for this season. It yeah. didn't go well, right? Like, like it didn't go well. well we had, it doesn't hurt to be like, hey, do you want to play with uh, Vigani Malkin and Sidney Crosby? Yeah. Right. You, maybe win a cup? Line. Yeah, you know the defenseman that we've got, right? You don't want to hit your wagon to this. That, but, could, that could be the move. But I, I will say if the Canucks have indeed made Miller available, not necessarily shopping him, but made him available, like bring us an offer and, and we'll talk about it. That is one heck of a course correction for a very new management group to make. Yep. And if Miller is ultimately traded, either at the, the deadline or this offseason, and the return is underwhelming, or even if the Canucks have to retain salary on the transaction, like when the, for me, this actually has quite similar, um, a similar feel to the Phil Kessel trade from Toronto. Uh, I, I realize that Phil Kessel and JT Miller are very different personalities, but they are both personalities that some people wondered about whether or not they were good personalities to have on a team, mm-hmm. right? The Leafs had recently extended Phil Kessel, and then they realized, like, ah, this team needs to be, like, this team needs, well, major surgery. Sure. So they traded away Phil Kessel to a team, the Pittsburgh Penguins, in win, win, win now mode. And I think you can argue that that trade worked out for both teams. Like Kessel helped put the Penguins over, over the, the hump. Um, and Jim Rutherford, who was the general manager at the time, realized that Sid and Gino need more help. Mm-hmm. And they brought in a very good goal scorer who may not have been ideal as the leader of the team, right, in Toronto. Yeah. And to build around him and also Dion Phaneuf. And he could go to a place where um, there was all, all, already a leadership group in place and he could just be a goal scorer and he could just be a good player. Mm-hmm. You could. It's not, it's not a perfect matchup, obviously, in, in terms of the comparisons between Kessel and Miller, but it's it's similar. Um, again, if the return for Miller is, is underwhelming, there are going to be some pretty sharp questions for management given the season the Canucks have just put forth. I think there are going to be some sharp questions regardless <laughs> at the end of, at the end of season press conference, um, about JT Miller and the fact that there are these reports out there, even if Miller isn't traded, like what about these reports? What about the fact that, you know, you had some credible reports out there that this guy that you signed to a contract extension, not a year ago, you've made him available mm-hmm. 
in, in, in trade talks. What is going on? What is the plan? How has the plan changed? How do you see this team? What are you guys doing? Yeah, I, I understand all that. The, di- the most difficult thing, and to be honest, I think it's what collectively uh, a station so thoroughly dedicated to one team, by that I'm talking about Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks, is when you start going too far down the road of hypotheticals, you almost lose the original point that you're trying to make. So it's like, what if they trade JT Miller? And what if the return is underwhelming? We're talking about two gigantic hypotheticals, neither of which could come to fruition. But you have to allow yourself to think in these terms because everything they're doing right now is about the future. Nothing they're doing right now is about the present. We want to make that abundantly clear. The present right now, the only goal is for Tockett to teach these guys to protect the guts of the ice and instill the disciplinary things that he wants. Outside of that, wins, losses, shootouts, losses, overtime losses, they don't matter. They don't. The standings... You can only go so far as an organization to try and crater to the bottom. And like we saw in Dallas last night or two nights ago, so oftentimes it's completely out of your hands. You could ice a lineup that has virtually no chance of winning a game. Yet somehow, Kuzmenko's scoring in overtime to help you beat the number one team in the Western Conference. Like, that's hockey. So everything is about the future, which is why you go down the road of these hypotheticals. I'll throw out another one. I think that in the most optimistic world where it's all sunshine and roses and Pollyanna leads the way, that they might have stumbled upon a scenario that actually kind of works because of all the teams, all the teams in the NHL, the one place that Miller might be more than okay with going is Pittsburgh because he's from the area. It's closer to home than he could ever be. And he'd be going there with this massive extension, which kind of locks him in. Well, you'd think. Every time the guy signs an extension, it feels like he's either <laughs> traded right away or like in, in trade talks, right? Hey, I want to read a text in the Dunbar-Lumber text line and just give me some time here. Is it a long one? Uh, no, but just oh. give me some time. Uh, here's a text. The hate is real for Miller, eh? You guys just want to drive him to the airport and run him out of town. No. You got it 100% wrong. The hate is not real for JT Miller. He is a very good player. Here's where the hate is real. The hate is real for losing season after losing season. The hate is real for inefficient contracts that age badly, which we've seen in spades in Vancouver, which they have a bunch of right now. The hate is real for no cap flexibility. The hate is real for a prospect system that still needs to be restocked. The hate is real for a blue line that badly needs to be reshaped. That is where the hate is. The hate is real for looking at a team the way it's constructed right now and not seeing a path to a Stanley Cup. Yeah, I I get what you're saying. And I think it's important to reiterate to everyone... The, the, the fundamental ethos of the Halford and Bruff show since we started day one way back on the current blog. Maybe some people don't know. Uh, we don't carry personal vendettas or grudges against anyone. If, if you thought that JT Miller was going to be a fundamental piece of a Stanley Cup championship caliber or contending team in Vancouver, 
You'd be his biggest fan. You'd be singing his name from the Raptors, and you'd have a number nine Miller jersey. But you just don't see it that way because you, your goal, and I mean mine, our goal collectively is to be able to cheer for a team that can win a cup. That's it. That was always been the that's always been the, the core driving principle of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. All the other like sad club and you know, bruff occasionally going off his rocker with <laughs> frustration and leaning into absurdism. That didn't last very long, but it's always been about that. So if you don't see that, you're not going to talk yourself into it just because the guy's here, right? And it did, you know what? JT Miller's name could be TJ Miller or TJ Smith or whatever. It's, that's, that's what the point you're trying to get across. It's not about the guy. It's about building a cup winner and uh, appreciating how hard it is to build a cup winner and how you have to marshal all your assets and focus zero in on not only the right assets, but the right timing so, to build a Stanley Cup winner in a 32-team league. So I, I, I get it. I get the – and I understand, actually, like the, the people that push back and have this thought in their heads. And it's because they're equally frustrated. They're just looking at it in an entirely different lens. And they're saying – Miller was a 99-point guy last year, and he's a point-of-game guy this year, and he's a good player, and that's fine. But allow yourself to understand that there are multiple ways of looking at this, and we're not here to tell you who's right and wrong, even though we're right. We're just here to tell you uh, where we're, and especially in Jason's case, where he's coming from. And hate or love JT Miller. I actually really like him as a player. I really, I actually like his personality. Yeah. If you want to get super existential about it, like we're, we're cheering for laundry. That's the old saying, right? Yeah. It's, it's whoever fills the laundry, as long as those are the guys that are going to help get to the promised land. That's great. Right. There's been teams that have had high character guys and low character guys, guys that are really passionate and guys that are stoic. All of this is just kind of leading back to the one thing, the current situation with his contract, the way that they signed it, the time that they signed it, the amount that they signed it for, I, neither of us think that it's going to play out well in the long term. That's it. No one's trying to drive the guy to the airport, uh, especially today because the weather's like heinous. I don't even like driving people to the airport. Take an Uber. <laughs> yeah, honestly. You make a lot of money, JT did you see that? <laughs> did you see that discourse on Twitter yesterday? No. It was. Did you see this? I tried to it, stay off Twitter. Uh, it was someone had one of those like online think pieces. Oh, talking about how uh, either asking or requesting someone drive you to or from the airport I is it's like a friendship breaker. Oh, yeah, breaker? yeah. Yeah. Don't ask your adult friends Why? to drive you home. Why? Because the internet's stupid. It's inconsiderate? To ask You're them. making them take time out of their day to go it's, get them. It's, it's the very airport. much going down the road of like everyone's oversensitive, right? Like I drive that person to the airport. Yeah, never take. Why do you have yeah. friends then? If that's if you can't use them for stuff like people, that. I mean, the argument was you're an adult, get an Uber. Don't make someone go way out of their way. The counter argument is that's what friends are for. No, yeah, that's, that's what, what that's what the Dion Warwick song was all about. That's, that's right. right. To put, go to back to Bruff's speech, Alex. I just love this text. That was Bruff's "We shall fight on the beaches" speech. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yes, right. That's why I said. I, that's why I said. I, I, I want to think about. It. I want to take this slowly. I didn't want Halford mooing away during the speech. I knew it was going to be a speech. Uh, someone, someone said, "Wow, Bruff just went Edgar Allan Poe on the hate is real." Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah. You, you know what? There's a bunch of different ways we can frame it, but it always comes back to like one fundamental issue. We've been true to our core since day one. Yeah. The, we just uh, want to see a cop. The, the styles have changed a little bit. Now we're on the radio. We used to do just print stuff, but that's it. That's I, mean, I can't explain it any further than that. We're not complex people. We're really not. Right? right? That's fair to say. This isn't like a very in-depth, thought-provoking. No. It just... Just win, uh, just win a Stanley Cup. Seems like it's fun. Other teams have done it, right? <laughs> seems like a fun summer. It seems like it's a good time. Yeah, you get yeah, to party yeah. and drink and do party. everything. Yeah, all things I like. So. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Eight oh two on a Wednesday, Alfred Bruff, Sportsnet six fifty. The dogs are rocking out behind the scenes there. By the way, I don't know how I haven't stumbled upon this earlier, but the other day I was thinking that little glass booth that you guys are in, the production booth. We need to rename it the Dog Pound. That Dog Pound Dog House, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. We need like a banner in here. Welcome to the dog pound. We got to get like the old Cleveland Browns. Um, remember that they must they we get them to wear dog pound shirts. I had a dog pound shirt D-A- back in the Bernie Kosar days. D A W G. Yeah, dog. Mm-hmm. We got the two dogs here. A dog, Laddie. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Out like a lion, in like a lamb, as they say. No, no, no. In like a lion. In like out, a lamb. Out like a lamb. Out like a lion. <laughs> out like a lamb and like a lion. <laughs> to the phone lines we go. We don't have Murphy, by the way. We don't? No, I'm gonna, about to get him. He's an 805, 805 guy. Right. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you want to weigh in uh, to the program, Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. It is the small alternative. Uh, we're also giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Leafs on Saturday at Rogers Arena. Note the puck drop time. Four, is that two Saturdays in a row? Where some hoity-toity Eastern Conference team has come into our house mm-hmm. and made us play at four o'clock in the afternoon. Saturday is going to be uh, a, a boozy day in downtown Vancouver because you got the Rugby Sevens at BC Place, and the Saturday at the Rugby Sevens is the party day. Yes, and the Sunday is the hungover day where you bring your kids and yeah. sit there quietly and watch rugby. Um, so you've got that, and you've also got the Leafs game at four o'clock, which allows people to go out afterwards that's two weekends in a row that it's been a big saturday night downtown because last weekend it was the four o'clock bruins canucks game mm-hmm. and then the whitecaps opener at 7 30 that's right which yeah. was played at minus 37 mm-hmm. degrees celsius too it was very yeah. cold the players somehow survived but uh yeah that's it's good we're getting back into the i don't want to say like because the canucks games are really just an exercise in futility at this point but right there's stuff going on well the leafs games are always fun and the bruins games are always fun yep well, there's a goalie goal so there might be a goalie goal in the leafs canucks game too uh let's talk about something embarrassing for the canucks let's talk about those canucks more now with sportsnet's very own dan murphy here on the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 what up murph good morning gentlemen how's it going uh, we are well. We've lots to chew on today around the NHL. 11 trades yesterday, one of which included the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the Luke Shen situation finally came to a resolution yesterday. Uh, from a personal standpoint, I imagine that you had to be 
a little relieved and a little happy for the guy that this thing finally got sorted out. Yeah, I know it was weighing on him pretty heavily, and he wanted some something to be resolved just so he knew where he was going and then try to figure out how to deal with his wife, Jess, and, and you know the, the birth of their third child, which is imminent. So I think that's great. The other good thing is that it's a familiar organization for him and that the Leafs are here on Saturday. So I, I believe he's going to Edmonton, or to Edmonton today. I'm not sure if he's in the lineup. Uh, and then at least he gets to come back to where the wife is and try to figure out if she's going to travel with him or if he can stay here. So that's the balls are up in the air, but at least he, he has an answer now of where he's going. What did you think of the return, third-round draft pick? I thought it was okay. I mean, I you know I think you know a lot of people in this market were hoping for a second round, uh, which is fair. I guess it's all right value, um, and I think that they probably had to pull the trigger because you know a lot of these moves were being made. And you didn't want to be stuck at the deadline just holding the bag and, and nobody needing a player anymore. So um, you know it's not going to be a very high third round pick, obviously where the least finish. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I think you still had to do it. I think it was a smart move. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were hoping for a little bit better, but, you know, I certainly think that I would still make that move rather than hold on to Luke and let him just go to free agency. Is it hard right now to say whether or not Luke would consider re-signing in Vancouver this off season? I think it's hard to say, yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Right. Um, I, I'm not sure what the Canucks plans are, if they would like to circle back and try to sign him. I know he did like it here. Um, I'm not sure what the last month has been like for him. Uh, and maybe if he gets a taste of winning again, he'll, he'll decide on a different path. Um, so certainly I think there'll be conversations, but I, I don't know how to handicap it at this point because it, it rarely happens that way where a guy leaves and then resigns in, in unrestricted free agency. You know, I remember Keith Kachuk doing it a handful of times, it seems like, but I can't remember too many other cases where, where it actually where it actually happened. Murph, what do you make of all the reports and all the noise out there that the Canucks and Penguins might be working on something big? Oh, I, I, I just can't believe it's JT Miller. First off, especially for a team like the Penguins that's trying to make the playoffs, so are you going to deal for a guy who's week-to-week? A guy you need right now? Um... I don't know. And, and for me, the Brock Besser one, I, I, certainly I think that you know maybe a fresh start would benefit the player and the cap space would certainly benefit the Canucks. But if there's salary retention, you know, how much would you guys be willing to retain? Like yeah. a million? Like I, I, don't, I wouldn't be comfortable retaining more. I wouldn't want to retain anything. But like, how does it make sense to retain $2 million on that contract? I don't think it does. So to me, it all depends on if there's salary retention and how much there is, because I, I wouldn't be comfortable retaining a, a, a bunch of that. I know the Canucks are bloated on the wings. Uh, they've got too much salary tied up there. Um, you know, so I just, I, I just hope that if they do it, it, it's not by retaining more than a million bucks, because I think that would be the absolute limit for me. And then if you look at the, you know, the, the Penguins cap situation, I think they can make that work at this point. Uh, but, of course, you still have to worry about the two years after this. I think the issue with with Besser is that his market value isn't going to go up. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, he doesn't, look, nope. he doesn't look like a good hockey player in Vancouver right now. And I don't rarely I, – I rarely say this, but because I think most professional athletes are 
so dialed in and they do everything they can to prepare themselves. But to me, I'll just put it a nice way. I think Brock, by by watching him play, it looks like he wants a fresh start somewhere else. Like he does not look all in with the Vancouver Canucks right now. So, you know, I know there are some people that are that that, that suggest, and maybe that's what you're suggesting is you know like keep Brock and hope to rebuild his his value maybe next season and and, and then if you want trade him. But I, I I don't I don't know like they might be just at a point right now where that they have to do break up because he's he seems very unhappy here. Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I think that's that's totally fair. I think that probably this is weighing on him. Uh, you just want some sort of a resolution, whether it's going to happen or not. Um, and I agree that a fresh start, I think a fresh start could, could help a lot of people that have been in this organization, uh, especially if, you know, he's the longest tenured player. Now this has been a lot of losing and a lot of turmoil and a lot of weird stories. And, you know, I wouldn't blame anyone for, you know, you know muttering to themselves, say, maybe I could do better elsewhere right now. And I'm sure Brock is in that, in that position. Uh, so I agree with you. Mike, I'm just like, again, at what price? Like, what would you guys be comfortable retaining? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with take, you. If, if you have to take back Marcus Patterson, like, if you're getting a defenseman back, so you're getting an asset. But I, I just don't know how much, like, would you be willing to retain $2 million so you've got that on your books, and now all of a sudden the Penguins are paying $4 million for a 65-point guy? You help them out that much? I don't know. Like, I, I think it 100% depends on what comes back. Like, if you're retaining, yeah. you could – you could float it as, yeah, it doesn't look very good on on your books, but you're kind of buying assets. And I think that's the yep. way Patrick Alvin will look at it. If if the Canucks are retaining, are are they what are what are they getting in return for that retention? Um, if you're exactly. getting if you're getting another first round draft pick, I'd be willing to retain. Well, sure, yeah, but I, I I'm not sure I've heard anything like that yet. But yeah, I'm I'm totally with you on that. Um, if you if it, then then you can talk about retaining a lot more than than you'd feel comfortable just if it's a player for player swap, if there's more assets coming back. So it's just so hard until you know what the return is uh, to say I would move them out of town. Um, but I, I, I agree, like this team needs cap flexibility and they need to move out some wingers uh, to get that, and they need to improve on defense. So uh, if any way you cut it up, uh, if you're moving Besser, you have to be solving some of those problems. Uh, and maybe you're helping him out as well at this point. We're speaking to Sportsnet's Dan Murphy here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, Murph, most, the most recent outing, a 5-4 overtime win over the Dallas Stars, was also the return of Thatcher Demko to the Canucks net. Yeah. And I know you got to speak with him in the aftermath. Um, where was he at in terms of uh, feeling about his game, feeling about just getting back in and amongst the room and amongst the guys? I know he talked about it a little bit, said there were some nerves. And then I did note that Rick Tockett was very complimentary of Demko's game following the win. Yeah, I mean, he admitted to having, you know, anxieties leading up to that start. And why not, right? He didn't even get a start in Abbotsford or any reps like that. It'd just been, you know, after three months, it'd just been some a couple of hard practices, and then here you go. Um, so I, I think he was, you know, a lot of people said, like, why don't you just sit him out, sit him out, sit him out, and, and help the tank. But here's the thing. Uh, you know, you don't want him going into this offseason with doubt, right? If he's your guy moving forward, if you're not moving him, you want him feeling really good going into the summer, at least that he knows he's 100% healthy, He's feeling better about his game. Uh, and then that way he can come into training camp next year and just focus on, you know, preparing for the season and not wondering if, if, he's, if he still has it. So, 
I think you absolutely have to give him some starts here. So I was always in that camp. I understand how it's going to hurt the tank probably, but I think you have to worry more about the player than the tank at this point when he's, when he's that important to your team. Um, so, you know, I thought, you know, when the first goal went in on the breakaway and, you know, he lost his net basically, right. He backed right in Martin Brochu style. If you remember that goal in San Jose, um, I was like, Oh, oh I wonder if he's nervous. And he was, but I think he really settled in nicely because that was a, that was the same environment he was used to when he got hurt. Uh, it was not good in Dallas in terms of the high danger chances. And I tried to phrase that to him after, and I guess it was a bad question because I'm asking him to sewer his teammates basically by saying you give up 18 high danger chances. And he said, well, at least I know I'm healthy. So I thought it was probably a pretty good answer on the fly without suing his teammates, which I probably shouldn't have asked that question that's sitting, but whatever. Um, so yeah, I thought it was a real positive, uh, for Thatcher for the first start after, after missing a few months. Uh, you know what? It's not the big deal. If you ask bad questions, we do it routinely, like kind of once a show and then you just, you know what? There's another question to be asked and it can't be any worse than the previous one. So you'll be okay. Um, with regards to some of the young guys that you, I mean, I guess the one thing that stands out right now is that when we talk about team tank and everything is that you've got the likes of. Ratu and Kravtsov and Pod Colson, they're available to be played. Rick Takages isn't playing them all that much. I think collectively they only had 18 or 19 minutes of ice time between the three of them. Ratu is all the way down to like 422. Do you see any scenario where the the goals or the objectives change? And it's like if these guys are going to be here and they need to learn how they're going to play under Takage, they actually need to, you know, play hockey? I, I I think so. I mean, I, as we've said many times that, you know, players aren't going to tank. Um, and usually coaches aren't going to tank too. But he has said this is like a mini training camp. This is an evaluation process. And I understand, you know, the second period the other night, there was a million power plays for Dallas. And, you know, those guys aren't killing penalties. But I, I really think that for him, he's got to find out if any of these guys – are an option for him next year. And I think he knows that Pud Colson is NHL ready, but certainly for a guy like uh, Ratu. Uh, and what about the defenseman? Does he feel like Willanen can play at this level? Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think we chuckle because Brisebois is still here uh, after all these years and, you know, always seems to look decent. Like, this is the time when he should be playing these guys. And it frustrates the fans to see them winning these games. Uh, but I still think you can look at that lineup and say, guys, like, should that lineup have beaten Dallas the other night with that defense? <laughs> no. Probably not. No. Right? So, you know, it's not like it's not like they're, you know, icing a great team and going full out and, and winning games that way. You know, you're going to win some hockey games, and it's going to frustrate your fans, especially probably in the manner in which they're doing it, right, those comebacks on the road. But, I mean, I think you have to be happy for guys like Kuzmenko, who are who are you know producing at this level and gaining confidence uh, with every game? Um, but I understand fans' frustrations when it seems like this is a reoccurring theme for this team, or at least it has been for the last eight to ten years. Before we let you go, Merv, what's your plan? I know you got a game tomorrow, but we're already looking ahead to trade deadline. What's your plan going to be for Friday? Um, I, I'll just be at the rink because I you know I I think the the Leafs play back to back tonight tomorrow. I doubt that they'll practice Friday. Uh, so I'm sure Sean McKenzie will be hanging with them, and I'll be at the rink. Canucks are going to skate, uh, I think, around noon. So I'll just be there, you know, in the morning, like seven-ish, okay. and uh, and see what, what's going to happen. But I mean, how great 
have the last couple of days been? I know it, it kind of sucks for Canucks fans because they're not in the middle of the fun stuff. But, you know, yesterday, how, how great was that just being on your phone and seeing all this stuff roll in? Um, I think it's been a lot of fun. I don't know if, how much is going to happen now on deadline day. I think most of the stuff has already happened. But I think the last couple of days has just been a blast to see all this movement. And it's hilarious that a couple of really, really good teams are going to be gone in the first round mm-hmm. uh, in the Eastern Conference after all these kind of moves. Uh, but I will say, for yesterday, I think the most, the best move, I think, I think it was Ekholm in terms of need yeah. and want and what yeah. those guys have mm-hmm. to have. I think that was a really, really good pickup for Ken Holland. And I think that, I, I think that puts, you know, as long as he can perform like he, he's known to, I think that puts him on equal footing as, as Colorado. I really do. I, I just think that was a, a super shrewd move uh, instead of, we all thought might be Edmondson or Gavrikov. I mean, this is a whole different level of player for Edmonton. It's funny. You can look at that Leafs team and say that Leafs team is the best team in Canada, but you can also say that the Oilers have the best chance to win the Stanley Cup in Canada just because of the sure, path. because of the Western Conference. Yeah. yeah. I totally agree. And I think it would be like, again, I, I, I always go once the playoffs come and there's no rooting interest. I like chaos and I like humor. Mm-hmm. And so I think it would be incredibly funny if someone like the, you know, Somehow the Minnesota Wild got through the cup final and then won it. It was all these beasts and beasts. Like, I, I think something like that is what I'm cheering for. Yeah, I cheer for other pain, other fan bases' pain mostly, but that's because I'm a yeah. damaged sports fan. So I apologize for it. Well, well I don't too. apologize. It's, yeah. always, it's always like, who, who do you want to lose more? It's not who do you want to win more. Yeah. Who do you want to lose more? That's what it comes down to. So, Murph, if you're going to be at the rink bright and early on Friday, can we pencil you in for a, a live hit, live update from Rogers Arena on Friday? <laughs> Oh, put me on the spot. Yeah. yeah nice. Can. That's why I did it. See, I ask good questions. <laughs> yeah. Now, whether I answer or not, well, that remains to be seen. Well, I got a feeling that, you know, when we have you on the air, we're on from 6 to 10. We're, we know through history that nothing ever happens. Yeah. We'll be like, we get... Murph, who do you think the Seahawks should take with the fifth overall pick? Should they go quarterback or should they go back to Geno Smith? Yeah. I'll call Murph every 10 minutes. <laughs> Anyway, but it was we'll like talk- that year that it was, like, it was like that year that the only move in the first like three hours was Sven Boot and Sean. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can only hope. Okay, Murph, we'll talk Friday. Thanks, bud. Hi, boys. Bye. See ya. Uh, Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. See, that's what you do. You throw him on the spot. And you make him commit to something that he doesn't want to do. He was angry with you right there. I like, love it. Was like, yeah. <laughs> We're going straight to the humanoids. Yeah. Oh no! Wait, I have to do the uh, the, the Besser update. Yeah. My, my bad. Forgot the tease. The tease. You just can't tease them and leave them. The sultry tease. We have two Besser updates this morning. First one from Dolly. Rick Dollywall. As of now, Dollywall writes, nothing close on a Brock Besser trade. As of now, Dollywall writes again for some reason, he is expected to play tomorrow versus the Wild. Rick continues. Rick, as of now, Dollywall. Yeah. As of now, Dollywall continues, there is interest but a tough contract to move with term. Then we got Dregs, Darren Dreger. He writes, moving target on the likelihood of Besser being traded by the Canucks. There's interest. However, Vancouver isn't keen on retaining money. A bad contract coming back or 30 to 40% retention may be required to get something done by the deadline. Otherwise, a summer move is likely. There you go. Just kick the can down the road to summer. You know what? And you know what? And then after summer, kick the can down the road to the next trade deadline and then keep kicking that can 
into the summer of what, 2025, something like well-worn that. Well-worn can at that. Point. I like Rick's as of now though. Though that's just a that's just a cover your butt move. Totally. Because if things change, I said as of now. I said, as as now. Of now. <laughs> oh my god! Some of these cottage industry trade insider folks, they always have to preface or end everything with we'll see where it goes well, i'm hearing so, because they're so scarred by the like the abuse that they take on twitter they're just like they, it's part of the game you yo. just you just start you just start tweeting scared that's like omar it's part of the game that's the game the game is the game all right let's go into the dunbar lumber text line now uh john the equipment manager with a local shout out what we learned the ubc women's hockey team is hosting the canada west finals this weekend against Mount Royal, come out and support the team. Yet the UBC women's team has had an unbelievable year. I hate Mount Royal. They just dispatched of of the University of Saskatchewan Huskies in the Canada West semifinal. Uh, So now they're going to try and get to the women's hockey championship. um, And I think that's in Montreal this year by taking out Mount Royal, and they should be expected to win that. They should be the favorites. So go get it done, UBC. Even though UBC is an inferior uh, institution to Simon Fraser University, I will still in root for what them. possible way All that of them. SFU is like as a it's like on a hill. Oh, I'm sorry. Is that the only I'm sorry. Reason? Does UBC have a mountain? Because we got one. <laughs> it has esteemed alumnus Mike Halford. Uh, Come on, uh, that is actually on the brochure. Really, like, it's that bad for SFU. <laughs> it's true. Who I and, once and, ascended that mountain, and the brochure has so many typos, you would not believe it. It's on a cocktail. Mike wrote it. It's on a cocktail. Um, uh, go beat those cougars. That's Mount Royal. Go beat those cougars this weekend. Um, I got the winner for the tickets, by the way. Okay, I'm doing this right now. Go. Walter in Seashell with a what we learned. Here's what he wrote: I learned you are no longer giving away Guns and Roses tickets, so I guess I'll settle for the Canucks tickets. I don't know. Maybe just give them to somebody else. Thanks anyway. So I thought, like, wait a minute. <laughs> Walter's trying to Walter's trying to do reverse psychology on me. I'm not going to fall for it. Mm-hmm. But then I thought maybe his whole point was to put that original thought in my head so that then I thought, well, wait a minute. Is he, is he making me do reverse reverse psychology? 40 he knows right that you know that he knows you know. So then I was like, I got to give him the tickets. Right. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. If he knows that I'm going to reverse reverse psychology myself, then maybe I shouldn't give him the tickets. Mm-hmm. Then I just got confused, so I just gave him the tickets. So he got the tickets for that one? That's what you chose? I think so all he... these other people put in legit effort into their what we learns, and this guy doesn't want them, and you're going to give them the tickets. But I think he, he wanted a spite. Want... But I think <laughs> give does... him the tickets because yeah. you don't I most, want them. I mostly give him a spite. I think he does. You will want... take these tickets, and you will go, and you will have a good time. Yeah. See, then the other part of this was maybe Walter was reverse psychologizing him himself. Like he he really does want okay. the tickets. Okay. All right, we're done with this. Lady Badger, what we learned. I learned that as much as I hate Brad Marchand. I cannot discount the fact that he is an amazing hockey player. He took the overtime period on his back last night in Calgary and blasted up the ice from his own end to set up that great goal for the win with seconds to go in the overtime. Yeah, he's a great player, man. It kills us all to watch Brad Marchand make nice plays out there. I scored a great goal against the Vancouver Canucks. Kyle Burroughs is still looking. For Brad Marchand, they made on a re- that play. They made a really him Bergeron and McAvoy made a really nice play. You know how much time was left in overtime when they beat somehow beat the Flames last night? It was only, it was like five seconds, four point three seconds left. But the, the the I think the point that Lady Badger is making the the faceoff was in 
Boston's end, and then Marshawn just uses speed yep. to get and, and then won battles along the wall in order to set up McAvoy for the winner. No, he's, so, he set up Bergeron. Bergeron set up McAvoy, but Marshawn did tons of heavy lifting. And it's hilarious because... I think Marshawn ultimately gave the pass to McAvoy out in front. I don't think so. Okay. Final yeah, shots in that game, it. by the way. 57-20. Can someone go to the video on that? I thought it went Marshawn, Bergeron, McAvoy. I think it went Marshawn, Bergeron, back to Marshawn, out to McAvoy for the win. We have to double check on that. Uh, Surrey Ryan, what we learned... It must have been the most awkward flight home on the King's Charter with Jonathan Quick and Rob Blake staring each other down. Yeah. I don't know if it went like that, but I think it must have been pretty somber. And that was after a pretty rousing win. Rousing nice. win over the Winnipeg Jets where the Jets, um, well, let's put it the positive way. The Kings fought back from three two-goal deficits. So you're they not were down, saying. They were down 2 nothing, 3-1, and 5-3, and they came back. Uh, to win that game in a shootout over the Winnipeg Jets. But then after the game, as Laddie talked about earlier, Anze Kopitar, who had four goals in the game, which is pretty good. That's I think it was bad. the first four goals of the game for the Kings, was pretty down because he knew that Jonathan Quick wasn't a member of his team anymore. And this is a guy that Anze, Anze Kopitar has won two Stanley Cups with. Uh, speaking of putting someone down, can you uh, tell me what the box score reads for the goal last night? Oh, I was just watching the video. I didn't actually look at the box score. Oh, okay. it, it, it's Marshawn to Bergeron to McAvoy. Oh, that's nice. What did you say it was, bro? He said it was the other way around. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. Bergeron was in the middle. Uh, do you want to say it out loud? What? That you were wrong? That I was wrong? Okay, I'm wrong. watching the play right now. Bergeron goes to the net, and then Marshawn <laughs> gives it to Marshawn. Bergeron gives it to Marshawn. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see <laughs> Yeah. You know what just happened? He was wrong in real time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 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 that happened. Oh, oh I see that. We've captured it on the screen, oh, folks. Oh, it's so great. Oh, it's this Oh, there's 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 Marshawn. Oh, and yeah, there's nice. Bergeron gives it to oh, McAvoy is, for a nice It's goal. so delicious it must be fattening. Uh, you can freeze frame the moment. You know what? I don't want to I don't you know what? I don't want to bask in the glory of Bruff being stupid and wrong at the same time. Why not? That's it's so not rare. Fair. You know why? It's so rare. Be it's not. Uh because this would take away from the clip that Andy just put up. Uh, I'm calling it the Bruff speech, like the King speech. The different, speech? Different circumstances, mm -hmm. right? But um, slightly Bruff, different Bruff stakes. Bruff was far more impactful, <laughs> Sli I think. Slightly different stakes, but the point remains. Mm -hmm. The King was known for that speech. You, the King of AM radio. Right. You're going to be, that is a, I, don't, I think you also did that off the cuff. Mm -hmm. I don't think that was scripted. Right, and the yeah. thing is, is if you if you listen, the king got to prepare his speech. It was text inspired <laughs> incessantly because of the stuttering. But um, I think the big takeaway here is that if you want to go back and look at it, look at the tape like we did with the Bruins goal, which I was right about. Um, you're not even looking. He's not even looking at his computer screen. That was all from the heart. Yeah, that's what other shows won't give. Right. Yeah, that I man agree. felt all the feels. That is an Academy Award-winning speech. Did right you just now. say that other shows don't have heart? That's basically it. AI <laughs> couldn't do that. Yeah. Uh, we, should, we should redo Bruff's speech and put music underneath, like yeah. some like, epic like movie score music. I don't think it was that good. It was just about cap space and prospects and God, that sort of thing. The the stuff we just take about. the compliment. Uh, what we learned on Syntex, as a Canucks fan in the past 10 years, I don't look forward to actual games. For me, trade deadline draft and free agency is like the playoffs. Hey, that's 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 true for a lot of people. The games are, they can be fun, but they're not meaningful. I, I was reading um, 
God, for some reason I went back on, on and read an article about when the Canucks added Lapierre and Chris Higgins to the team and all the coverage uh, around that. And, you know, that's over a decade ago now. Mm-hmm. And I was, I just remember the excitement of that. And I'm like, oh, will these guys help put the Canucks over over the top? And that's what other teams are experiencing this week. They're they're looking at, okay, do you remember, like, this is so long ago that most people, or a lot of people listening right now, especially the younger listeners, are like, I, I don't remember that at all, right? Um, but you're like, okay, well, all right, well, Lappy's going to be the 4C because they need the 4C because you got the Malhotra. And, like, there were just, there were, there were all sorts of things going on with the team. Like, where where's Chris Higgins going to fit in? Could he maybe be on the second line or is he going to be a third line? Stay? Like, this is what the Leafs get to do now with their team. Where does everyone fit in? Are you going to have Ryan O'Reilly on the wing or is he going to be your 3C? How is Luke Shen going to fit on this team um, with, you know, Sandine gone? And, like, you just, you, you, you get to have that appreciation and then you get to look at the matchups we haven't done that for so long in vancouver now yeah. it's just you know and i don't and i know people are like you always whining about the team you're right i am always whining about the team i'll stop whining about the team when the team gets good and i always i always laugh when i hear these people it's like these guys would complain about the canucks if they won the stanley cup no like, what are you talking about the day after we used to be advocates for the Canucks. We used to make fun of other teams. Yep. Like that used to be the fun part of the job. Like making fun of the other teams and sticking up for the Canucks on a national stage when they would be getting getting criticized. But that was because it was coming from a place of honesty. Mm -hmm. And the place of honesty right now with the Canucks is a sense of frustration that, hey, um, the last thing – uh, we're thinking about right now is the Canucks actually winning the Stanley Cup and criticizing them. I mean, it's a good thing to bring up. None of this is put on for effect. Like, yeah, we might be a little hyperbolic and like the sad club commission persona and everything, but it's all organic. Like, it all comes from a very real place, and it's jealousy every year of watching another franchise get to celebrate a Stanley Cup. The hate is real for Miller, eh? You guys just want to drive him to the airport and run him out of town. Not at 100% wrong. The hate is not real for JT Miller. He is a very good player. Here's where the hate is real. The hate is real for losing season after losing season. The hate is real for inefficient contracts that age badly, which we've seen in spades in Vancouver, which they have a bunch of right now. The hate is real for no cap flexibility. The hate is real for a prospect system that still needs to be restocked. The hate is real for a blue line that badly needs to be reshaped. That is where the hate is. The hate is real for looking at a team the way it's constructed right now and not seeing a path to a Stanley Cup. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.